When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Take the Black Live. I'm Daniel Roman, one of the editors for WinterIsComing.net. Dan Selke, the other editor for WinterIsComing.net, is not here today. So I am joined by fan-sided entertainment, Lord of Entertainment, Cody Schultz. Uh, Cody, thanks for coming on. How's it going? It's great. Thank you for welcoming me. I'm definitely excited to, I miss getting to catch up, of course, with Dan as well, but awesome to be here and excited to chat about a lot that's going on. It's been a very, very busy week. It has been a a packed week. Um, There are, you know, when we started looking at the outline, there were some cool casting things. And then it seems like every studio is just coming out of the woodwork with announcements and trailers. And yeah, it's a lot of stuff. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, And great to see you guys in the chat. Hi there, Julie. Waking up early like a trooper. Hey, Andrew. And uh, yeah, we're we're going to get into it. So I guess we should start with House of the Dragon. Cody, I can't remember. Have you seen House of the Dragon? So I am in the, the probably the very small minority who have, has not watched House of the Dragons or Game of Thrones, which is a very okay. popular phrase. I, I get at the Lord of Entertainment. I'm not really representing and living up to that <laughs> phrase by not watching these two massive franchises. But in my defense, I know of them. I, I'm not completely clueless. If you talk about different characters, I, I can keep up with it from a surface level. And I feel like it's one of those things when you're in our sphere, you read a lot of coverage. So I feel like I've seen the totally. show without seeing the show, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. I mean, it does to me. I totally understand what you mean. I feel that way about a lot of the Netflix shows where, you know, I haven't seen them, but I've definitely read quite a lot about them. Julie, we have not done anything with Dan. Thank you, Dan. uh, He just needed to take the day off for some health stuff. All's well. He'll be back next week. But yeah, so if you want to ask me any questions about these characters, Cody, go for it, Um, because we're going to get into House of the Dragon season two. Um, A few big announcements that happened this week. One is that they are filming at Harren Hall, uh, which the the fictional castle Harren Hall from Game of Thrones. It's an iconic location. We're going to see it a lot in House of the Dragon season two. And they're currently working on shooting scenes there. And one of the characters we're expecting to see in those scenes is a woman named Alice Rivers who is considered a, a witch. She's a servant who who lives in Harren Hall, who is going to have a pretty big role to play in season two. And to kind of go along with that, we got a bunch of new casting announcements in the past week from House of the Dragon. So first up, since, you know, since we're talking about Alice, uh, we have Gail Rankin as Alice Rivers. I think probably best known from glow uh she was sheila the she-wolf in glow have you seen glow any opinions on this casting cody yeah i think i mean she was really amazing in glow glow such that's such a hard one because i still am bitter with how it went down with 
Netflix kind of stealing our final season away from us. Yeah, so it's great to same. see. I, <laughs> I love when the actresses and the actors from that show, like every time they booked like a new project, I'm like, okay, yeah, you go and get like something new because I still am holding that over Netflix. But I think this is definitely just not just knowing what we've seen from her, like those past roles. I think it's a really great casting choice. Um, I think she can bring a lot to this yeah. character and it'll be really just interesting to see like what she brings and like how she kind of makes the character her own. Yeah, totally. And Alice is an interesting character. So she's going to spend a lot of time opposite um, Aemond Targaryen, who is, um, I'm sure you've seen pictures of him. He's the guy with the eye patch played by Ewan Mitchell. So they're going to get to spend a lot of time together. And I could see Gail Rankin bringing like, I don't want to say like a little bit of weirdness to Alice, which feels really on point to me. So definitely excited to see what, what she does there. And kind of along those same lines, our next casting is another Harren Hall casting or casting relevant to Harren Hall. Um, it was announced that Simon Russell Beale, a veteran English actor, he's been in tons of stuff, which I can't list off the top of my head, but you can just take my word for it. Uh, he's going to play Sir Simon Strong in season two. And basically, he is the Castellan of Harren Hall, I believe for Laris Strong, who's the clubfoot Laris Strong. He's kind of like the master of whispers in King's Landing. So yeah, he most of his family, this guy's family, uh, Simon Strong, died in season one. And Harren Hall is kind of considered a cursed place. So a little nervous for him. He he may have a rough time of it. Any any thoughts, questions, comments on this one, Cody? Yeah, I feel like this one fits what we've seen from just the Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon casting the past, like a very well-known, totally. like you said, um, British actor who maybe necessarily isn't as wide, widely known in the States. Definitely so many credits to his name. I mean, I can't even, he was in Thor Love and Thunder. I can't remember who his character was though. Um, so I mean, it's not like he's oh, not wow. booking roles and work here in the in, you know U.S. popular titles too. But I think that's something that's really worked for them is getting these actors who might not be known to the larger audience that get to come in and really craft these characters and make them their own, and then those characters become like the character they're known for. Totally, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think Thrones had a great reputation for doing that, and it is nice to see House of the Dragon doing it too. So Simon Russell Beale was Dionysus in Love and Thunder, which I can't remember how much he was in the actual movie, but there's a pretty funny deleted scene floating around of him as Dionysus, like giving really bad directions to Chris Hemsworth. Uh, so that's cool. I, I'm excited that he's making the leap to uh, the more somber House of the Dragon. Yeah, definitely. Just a little bit of a tone shift there between these two titles. Just a, just a smidge. Uh, so next up, we have Freddie Fox, uh, who is going to be playing Sir Gwen Hightower. So Sir Gwen Hightower, you may remember, uh, he was actually in season one. He's Alicent's brother. We saw him very, very briefly at the beginning of the season. Uh, he tilts against Damon Targaryen in the opening tourney, but he'll have a larger role. He's it's an easy recast for them because we never even saw his face in season one. He only had a helmet on. So yeah, this is Allison's brother in season two. Any, any thoughts here? Yeah, I think this is a perfect casting because this is an actor with who's no stranger to kind of that genre. Um, of course he was in the three musketeers, uh, the 2011 oh, film, I should specify he was in King Arthur and the legend of the sword. Um, so this is a genre yeah. that he's very versed in. Um, so I think that's, it's, it makes sense. Like it feels like a natural step for like him to join a franchise like this, since he's definitely 
taken on many roles in that genre. Hopefully this one will be a little bit more, yeah. you know, on the bigger end, which it feels like it has more, we'll have like more meat on the bones for him to kind of dive into as an actor, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope he gets enough uh, room to really show his acting a little bit because the high towers, I don't want to call them antagonists. Uh, you know, it, it is a, everyone's gray in house of the dragon and game of thrones, but Gwen is a knight. He's supposed to be chivalrous. I don't know how much that's going to play on screen or how, you know, questionable his decisions will be since he's technically fighting for the faction that so far has maybe committed the most crimes. Although I guess that that could be slightly debated. But yeah, I, I like this casting a lot. And I actually saw a picture of Freddie Fox and then next to him it was like a split picture. And the other picture was Rissa Fons, who plays Otto Hightower, uh, this character's father, as a young man. And the, the resemblance is like uncanny between Freddie Fox and young Rissa Fons, whose name I'm probably saying wrong. But yeah, I I really like this casting. So curious to see what what he's like in the show. Some good comments in the chat as well. Uh, Andrew Haley says, I don't know much about the actress. He's talking about Gail Rankin, um, but I hope she plays Alice Rivers well. Yeah, same, same, Andrew. Um, Julie says she trusts the casting people in general. They always do a good job and looking forward to seeing the stuff come to life. Yeah, I agree with that. I can't think of really any castings off the top of my head on Thrones or House of the Dragon where it felt just totally off or like they didn't, you know, get someone who could really play the characters well and ultimate book maniac says gail rankin's exactly like i pictured alice in my head kind of like eva green with blonde hair and yeah I'm, I'm gonna second that when i saw that casting i had a couple of friends who were like i don't know about gail rankin as alice but like i saw it immediately so i think she's gonna do a great job Let's dive into, we have one more casting to look at, and that is Abu Bakar Salim as Alan of Hull. Now, this is this is the interesting one. So Abu Bakar Salim, uh, best known both for playing Father, the android in Raised by Wolves on HBO Max, as well as the voice of Bayek in Assassin's Creed Origins. He's playing a character named Alan of Hull. Have you seen anything about this, Cody, before we get put the tinfoil hats on? So I know it's it's definitely a little bit of a departure because the age gap between the actor and the character is quite notable, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it is very notable. Um, the character he's playing in the book is like 15. Mm -hmm. So there are these two brothers, Adam and Aelin of Hull. And basically there's a point where the blacks who are led by Rhaenyra Targaryen, they decide they need more dragon riders on their side. And they happen to have a bunch of wild dragons or riderless dragons floating around on the Island of Dragonstone. So they basically put out a call saying anyone who can mount a dragon will make you a lord and you will help us fight in this war, um, which, you know, this is a Game of Thrones show. It's going to go about as well as you would imagine. Some people will get toasted. Some people will become lunch. Some people will actually succeed. Alan or Aelin does not succeed in becoming a dragon rider, but his brother Adam of Hull does. And Adam has a really interesting arc in the story because he's this teenager who is a bastard. It's believed that Adam and Aelin are bastard children of Lenor Valerian. 
who was Rhaenyra Targaryen's husband. But it's also like it, it's a well-known secret that Laenor was gay. So there's a lot of theories in the book that they're actually uh, Laenor's father, Corlys Valerian's children. Now, the show did something that is a little weird that could factor into the whole Adam of Hull, Aelin of Hull thing. And that is that they, so Lenor Valerian, he dies in the book in season one in a pivotal scene where he's murdered in a marketplace and that allows Rhaenyra to marry her uncle Damon. The show made it the choice to have Lenor fake his death. So he is still alive in the TV series. He escaped across the narrow sea to basically just start a new life. And one of the prevailing theories is that Lenor is going to come back uh, in season two, that's John McMillan plays Lenor. He could come back as Adam of Hull and have this whole arc about reproving his loyalty and stuff like that. And that would explain the older casting because Aelin Abu Bakar Salim, the, the actor is much closer in age to the actor who played Lenor. So this is it's definitely interesting. It would mark a pretty big departure from the book that opens a couple of very large cans of worms because there are all sorts of people who should recognize Lenor who would have to, for some reason, not recognize him or it would change, you know, the situation. So what do you guys think out there about this, this casting? And Cody, what what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe they showed their hands a little bit, like even to someone who's on the outside looking in, like when you cast that different of an age gap, like it's not like it's, you know, a younger actor set to play a teen character or something like that, which is, of course, popular in so many yeah. of the, the you know shows in that when you go so far removed from what like the character's age is in the books, I feel like they are setting up for something different um like you mentioned kind of maybe exploring that which i mean anyone who's seen raised by wolves know they've got an amazing actor um who yes, just totally. I, I can't even imagine what he's even going to do with the material like it's it's exciting to like I, i'm really it's always, i like it when a show shakes things up that might just be me like especially when it's it is an adaptation like it's I'm never someone who's like, oh, we have to stick everything to the book. Like, I like when they shake things up because then it catches me off guard as a fan. I'm like, oh, this is new. I wasn't expecting yeah. this. Because sometimes you can get into like the pattern of you kind of go in your head, like the checkpoints of it needs to do X, Y, Z, just following the book. And so I like sometimes when they take a risk. And I think this one should be interesting and definitely gives fans a lot to you know talk about and discuss as we wait for the you know second season to come next year, which it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I think the fan reaction so far seems to be positive um and i but i think more theories are going yeah. to start come as as they read more and dive into it yeah i totally agree i think this is definitely going to be a a thing a lot of people are talking about if it comes to fruition which we don't know but it it is really notable that they revealed this casting for aelin and they did not reveal a casting for adam um who is arguably the bigger of the two brothers character wise the, the more important one, I would say, I think in terms of the actor, you're totally right. I mean, Salim is he is fantastic. When I first saw this, I was overjoyed initially because I just love seeing him and stuff. And I it's great to see to think about seeing him in House of the Dragon. But the actual character um, and how that might change, I, I do think the jury's out. I know I'm sure Dan will talk about this next week, but I know he is very much against this idea. <laughs> he hated that they had Lenor fake his death. I've kind of gone back and forth. There are some days where I'm like, I kind of, I 
exactly like you said, Cody, where it's nice to be surprised. And the way they handled Lainor did surprise me. So in that way, I like it. But in the, you know, the butterfly effect ripples from that, I'm nervous about what we'll see happen in season two. But it is interesting that it does feel a little like they kind of showed their hand here because, you know, like you said, the character is such a different age that it's just obvious they're going to do something different. Even if it's not Lenor, it's still going to be very different than they were in the books when they were kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, some other great comments. Uh, Andrew over on YouTube uh, really likes your Funko collection, Cody, that we can see. Yeah, thank you. That's it's it's just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many. They're constantly changing. I like to keep it fresh, keep people on their toes. <laughs> That's. I didn't realize you had them rotating out. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, you never know what will be back there. It's always something different. That's fun. That's fun. And uh, thank Thank you, Andrew. Glad you and Andrew said he enjoyed uh, the interview that I did with the Last Kingdom composers Ivor and John Lunn. You can find that up on the YouTube channel now. That went up yesterday. Glad you enjoyed. Uh, it was very cool to talk to them. But we should probably move on from House of the Dragon. We've we've hit on all the major casting stuff. Any last things you want to say about this, Cody, before we move on to the continent? Yeah, I'm I'm actually very excited for this next talking point because I'm really, really curious to see what your thoughts are on the news. Uh, because I <laughs> I have a I have a take and I'm curious to see what yours is. Okay, so let's get right into it then. So the next thing we need to talk about is that the Witcher season three ha- got its first trailer this week and it got its release dates announced. So unlike previous seasons, which dropped all at once, The Witcher Season 3 is going to follow in the footsteps of Stranger Things 4. It is releasing in two parts. So Volume 1 is composed of Episodes 1 through 5. That's hitting Netflix on June 29th. And then Volume 2 is hitting Netflix on July 27th. And that will have Episodes 6, 7, and 8. So once this is... a, a, a Slightly bigger deal, I would say, than previous seasons, partially because it's the last time Henry Cavill will be playing Geralt of Rivia. So, yes, The Witcher is coming back and pretty soon coming back next month. So, okay, or not next month, a month and a half from now. I don't know what day it is. Don't don't listen to me. (laughs) Cody, what are your thoughts on this? Are you are you hyped for The Witcher? We haven't really talked about it much. Yeah, so here's the thing. We knew it was coming this summer. Like they announced that at last year's To Doom yes. event. Like we we've known it's coming in summer, which has been exciting. It's been a lot of question of like when is it coming? There's been talk will it be June, July, August. Um, some even yeah. question like will they hold it for very end, like September? Like how will they split this? I think the thing that I'm struggling the most is I do not like these split seasons that are so tight Ooh, together. Okay. And it might work for The Witcher. It did not work for you, season four. Um, I think it really just killed the momentum with that one. It works for some shows. Some, it just does not necessarily work. But the thing with me is they're yeah, so I agree with that. close to, to one another. So you're talking just about a month out. And I'm like, this could have been a perfect example of like doing a weekly release and doing something different because they're basically releasing them within wow. the span of 30 days. So shake it up and maybe try a different format because then it gives us fans time to react to things and then not have to wait for a season two, three years in advance. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm very conflicted. I'd love to hear your thought about like the split season decision. It works for like a show like Stranger Things because the hype's going to be there regardless. But like I just saw in the comment, I feel like like the interest in The Witcher 
is starting to wane a little bit, just especially with the news of Calva leaving. So I don't know. It feels yeah. like a choice. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It does feel like a choice. I, I also, I hadn't really thought about the idea of doing weekly episodes, which Netflix is usually just so against. And I can understand the reasoning with something like Stranger Things, because the Duffer Brothers did talk about this, about why wasn't it weekly? Well, they had kind of introduced it to their fans as a bingeable show. So it didn't feel right to pivot late in the show to then doing weekly releases. So I, I can get behind that. And The Witcher might be in a similar situation, but I do, I kind of agree with you that it, it does feel like they're making a choice to try this split season thing. And I do almost wish they did it weekly instead. And some, I also agree that some shows it lends itself to really well, like Stranger Things, part of the reason it worked so well was because volume one was so epic that finale of volume one i'm calling it a finale it was just episode seven but it was like an it was longer than a nightmare on elm street that episode of television so it really worked for stranger things i don't know if the witcher is going to be geared toward that type of split the same way that stranger things was i can kind of imagine maybe how it might work like in terms of uh, the book that it's based off, The Time of Contempt, uh, there, there is a very large event that happens in that book that, to my eye, either has to happen before the split or as like the climactic events of the season, which if that's the case, it makes me really wonder if they have enough juice in volume one, because it's like it's this big summit that is like half the book, basically, and all of the main characters we've met up to that point are there it's who's happened it's very bloody and crazy and i assumed that would probably span a few episodes in season three so yeah it's definitely interesting jury's out for me i i agree with what Bittersteel said that he said he thinks the witcher is dead on arrival after cavill is gone i don't know if i would quite go that far i think there's still a chance i mean I don't want to say a chance the Witcher gets better because I've just been burned so many times saying that, that I, I have such a love hate relationship with this show, but I think there's a chance that it continues on doing what it's doing basically, but it has something to prove this season. And I don't know. I don't know. Is it going to prove it? Yeah. I think that's going to be the interesting thing. I'm also curious by the split um, because we have five and three with the episode. So yeah. I, we haven't, I don't think we've learned much about episode lengths, but part of me wonders, will the back half, those last three, could we see maybe some longer episodes in there? Because that's what worked for stranger things. We technically only got yes. two episodes in part two, but like you said, like those episodes were so long. Um, I mean, I can't yeah. remember what was the finale's runtime, like two hours and something, the final episode it, of the season. Yeah. Two and a half. It was mm -hmm. a dark, night <laughs> length episode <laughs> like straight up same length as christopher nolan's the dark knight and yeah that made it work it was like watching a stranger things movie at that point mm -hmm. um and the witcher you know it has an eight episode runtime they haven't talked about episodes being longer and i think part of the reason it was for stranger things like that is in my opinion uh, like a hundred percent the duffer brothers Stranger Things creator uh, Matt and Ross Duffer's like creative vision that caused it to be those sorts of lengths 
It's not mm-hmm. something I think most TV producers would try to even consider getting away with. And I don't know if The Witcher has that kind of vision behind it to do like, you know, like you were saying, like a two hour episode. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's true, too, because I feel like the Netflix has given the Duffers the keys to the kingdom, rightfully so. So I think they definitely have more creative liberty with like episode lengths and how things are how things are broken up, probably than more creators do on Netflix, just because, I mean, Stranger Things really is that show that kind of put Netflix on the map as like a global phenomenon. And so it makes sense that they would have a little bit more freedom than maybe other creators would do with like some of the different, you know, choices they can make when it comes to the shows. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think so with the split too, I do like the idea that the hype will be spread out a little bit because I I think that worked really well for Stranger Things and like I gripe about The Witcher all the time. A big part of that is that I really really loved the video games and and the novels. So I know that I am a nitpicker when it comes to The Witcher. Um, Julie, I see you out there that you really like that show. I A lot of people do. So it definitely still has plenty of fans. Um, so I like the idea that, you know, the moment of joy in the fandom for the people who are excited that it's coming back is going to be stretched out. Um but I do hope they do better than you because I agree with you uh, on this that the split didn't really work very well for you. I haven't even finished the second half because I watched a few episodes and was like the split and there's a big twist that happens after the split that I did not like. Um, so I hope that the Witcher handles it better. Yeah, fingers crossed for the fans because they deserve it. Yeah, totally. Um, but so let's move on from the witcher because there's plenty of other stuff to talk about um and another really big one is that so this convention called CinemaCon is happening right now and basically that is a thing where um different studios bring out their new movies to show to critics and theater owners to get them hyped for like the upcoming movie season um and probably the biggest thing to come out of this year's CinemaCon is that a trailer was shown for The Flash, or not even a a trailer was shown. The Flash was screened for critics and theater owners, and then we got a trailer online. Um, Cody, this is a little more in your wheelhouse, I think. What do you think? Uh, Like, we're going to watch it in a sec, but like, general impression. Are you hyped for The Flash? I I am, and it's been a roller coaster ride. I think any DC fan can agree with that. It's been such an up and down ride with this movie in particular. But each time they've dropped the trailer, it's it's made me more excited to see this movie. Same, I I totally agree with you. It is being a DC fan is definitely a fraught endeavor. I think when it comes to the TV and movies, because it's it you know there have been lots of hits and misses. Um, the flash really is, is starting to seem like it could be one of the hits. Um, a lot of people are praising it who have seen it. And that is in spite of the fact that it is a, a walking very large PR problem because of its lead Ezra Miller, uh, who, you know, obviously went on a bit of a, a crime spree and is now trying to get help for that and stuff like that. Um, but so let's watch this trailer and Cody, feel free to shout out um, any anything you want to pause on, anything you think is worth stopping to discuss. 
All right. So we're into the Flash. Um, this this movie is based, I believe, on the Flashpoint comics, or that's one of the larger inspirations for it. This idea of, you know, um, Barry Allen wanting to change his past by saving his mom and that basically breaking the universe. Um, but we'll be seeing a lot of other characters, too, like multiple Batman. Yeah, Michael Keaton definitely is the scene stealer here. I think it's kind of a split torn right now. I think people are just as excited for Michael Keaton's Batman than they are for the actual Flashpoint story, which it's, I mean, yes. How can you not be excited for Michael Keaton back as Batman? Yeah, I mean, that's such a hugely iconic thing to to get him back for this. He hasn't played the character since the early 90s when he was in um, Tim Burton's Batman Returns, I believe, was the last time he was in a, a movie as the character. Um, can we... Uh, I was going to say pause on Zod, but Zod is gone. Yeah, we can... Oh, oh, Richard is working magic. Yes, <laughs> pause on Zod. So one of the things that I that is getting me really excited for this movie is that it seems like and i'm gonna use a marvel metaphor here but it seems like an avengers type movie and the sheer number of other characters being brought in so we have michael keaton back as batman we also have ben affleck supposedly playing batman for one of his last times and we have characters like general zod um the actor's name is evading me right now but Obviously, if you've seen the 2013 Man of Steel, he was the main villain of that. We haven't really seen him much since. Um, yeah, Michael are there Shannon. Any particular characters, cameos? Michael I, Shannon. Yeah, um, he's. Any thoughts think, on these, Cody? Having him back as Zod is really fun. I think that was, he was definitely, he played yeah. Zod so well. Um, and it'll be interesting to see like this different variation of the character. Uh, of course, Michael Keaton, I'm really excited to see yeah. him back. There's a lot of rumors, too, about I f it's hard to track because they keep going back and forth on the cameo rumors um, because there's the rumor that we could see yes. Gal Gadot and Henry Cavill back, which could be potentially their last appearances. We know Cavill's out as Superman. Um, we still don't really know the fate yeah. or future of Wonder Woman. So the idea of getting to see them suit up, even if it is just a brief moment, is exciting just because it's kind of bittersweet to see their time as those characters potentially come to an end. Um, I won't say the rumors because I don't want to spoil it too much, but there is rumors there could be another Batman in the mix, um, which is really exciting. Oh. And also, okay. I hadn't heard that. There's, I feel like it's one of those things that with this movie, there's so much okay. editing still going on. Um, so I'm yes. very curious to see if it sticks. But the potential could be fun, I think. And I think you hit on it really does feel like an Avengers type film of pulling in all of these characters that fans love. Um, and I think that's where I'm struggling with this movie is because we don't know how much because okay. the DCU is getting rebooted. We know that's happening. So it's how does this fit into yeah. that new picture? Is it helping to reboot it or will this kind of just be an awesome movie that goes nowhere? Yeah, I think that is one of the biggest things working against The Flash. So I, I think the hype is really getting behind this movie on a level that makes me think it's going to be really, really good, honestly. Um, but it is coming at a, kind of a, a bad time or an awkward time because, you know, the DCU is getting rebooted under James Gunn and Peter Safran. So I the assumption with The Flash is that this is one of the 
is it Eververse or the the side stories that are not technically canon to the new DCU. Um, and that feels like a shame if the Flash ends up being as good as everyone is saying and pulling in all these characters, you know, you're right about it still being in editing to the degree that we can't be totally sure one way or another with some of the cameos. Like we know that Gal Gadot filmed for this movie. Um, ben Affleck talked about it basically to enough to confirm that it's not just some wild rumor. She actually was on set at one point, but we don't know if it's going to be in the movie or not. Um, so yeah, it it does feel like a shame, especially getting characters like uh, Supergirl or Kara Zor-El, uh, Sasha Kale, who is getting a lot of praise for their turn in this movie too. Um, so yeah, Andrew says he heard the Flash leads into the DCU. What do you think about that, Cody? I have an opinion there, but I'm curious. This one's it's it's tough. It really is. And I think that's it's yeah, the elephant in the room is it's Ezra Miller. Um, because I want to like I do I really like his flash, like his character you know, as the character. I think he's done a good performance. It's just um when you look at everything that's going on in the back scenes with all of like you've mentioned, like the behind the scenes drama and you know, all of the PR nightmares that have kind of built up to this movie, it's hard because yeah. Barry Allen as a character is such a great character. And like I said, they play Barry yeah. so well, but it's hard to disconnect that. And it's just to get excited about a show or a movie when you don't really know how it's going to be connected. I feel like that's why Shazam 2 failed. Of course, there were other aspects to that that mm. played into it. Yeah. But I think it's just, it's hard for audiences to get excited about a franchise movie when it's not a hundred percent clear what it's building towards or what it's meant to be. Yeah, that's kind of one of the the great downsides to this current movement of interconnected movies and storytelling, I think, because, you know, like not to sound like an old fart who's going to complain about stuff. But like if you rewind back to the early days of the MCU or even before it, that wouldn't really be a discussion, right? It'd just be like, is this movie going to be good? And it seems mm -hmm. like the answer is this movie is probably going to be good. But the question is, where does it land in the grand scheme of the DCU? Um, Andrew says he heard it leads into it. My big thought with that is, if that's the case, that's probably a retcon, right? I don't know if they would have refilmed to lead into it, but The Flash was already in production long before um, Saffron and James Gunn took over. So, like, even if that is what the movie ends up being that was not the intent of this movie so it really is a, a very large question mark about what it's going to look like um yeah, it's yes, funny i see andrew justin's the flash from the arrowverse yeah. making it what you are way more familiar with the arrowverse what do you think i think it'd be fun of course for those who are familiar with arrowverse we got to see ezra miller guest star in the crisis on infinite earths crossover event which was just it. oh that's cool that was that crossover was probably the Arrowverse at its best. The number of cameos they managed to make in yeah. there. Um, I mean, it's not spoilers now, it's years old to say that. I mean, we had Lucifer from yeah. Lucifer on Netflix cameoed. We, of course, had Ezra. We had oh, cool. um, so many different. And so it was such a fun thing. And there's been a lot of rumors of like, well, they kind of return the favor and kind of have Grant cameo somehow, which 
he's done interviews saying no, but that's an actor's job. They're not going to get out there and say, oh, yeah, I'm in this movie when it's meant to be. I mean, look at how Andrew yeah. Garfield and Tobey Maguire, how many times they had to go out and say, no, we're not yes. in No Way Home. And everyone knew it was a thing, but yes. they couldn't come out the and werewolf. say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what's funny, though, this fun fact like came up, and I am hoping I'm remembering it correctly, is that the Flash movie was announced at the very beginning of when the Flash season one started. And now that show is oh, finishing wow. its run nine seasons later. So timing to put in perspective when you mentioned how this movie has been in development long before James and Peter came yeah. in as DC's heads. That's how long this movie's kind of been in development and been in the works and going under all these different changes. So that's it's it's insane to me to think that a show went nine seasons and is wrapping its run before this movie will hit theaters. Yeah, that's that's pretty nuts. Um, definitely goes to show how long the development can be for these sorts of things. Uh, that's something George R. R. Martin, the the author of A Song of Ice and Fire, talked about recently with the new um, A Night of the Seven Kingdoms show, because that's something he pitched uh, 2016 or 17, like while Game of Thrones was still in like season six or seven. Um, and we're just now getting an announcement that it's getting made, but the conversations and everything have been happening all that time. Um, so yeah, it, I'll be interested to see what, how the flash does, uh, do we want to continue on in this trailer? And yeah, of course, multiple Ezra Millers in this movie, which I am loving the the dual performance is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's Michael Keaton. Yes, the the let's get nuts line is just so perfect for that character. I just, I'm very excited for Michael Keaton's Batman back. I feel like that's going to be a draw for a lot of fans. Yeah, I agree with that. It's almost, it's kind of nice because I feel like Batman has gone so gritty and dark. And that works really, really well for Batman. But like Keaton's Batman was a lot more charming and fun. He was almost more of like a James Bond type Batman compared to like Pattinson's very tortured and you know gritty uh investigator so i'm kind of like i kind of want that energy from batman in a movie again you know yeah and i mean and you look at the effects i mean i can understand why so many people who've seen it um at CinemaCon, there's the reactions coming through just say like it's brilliant and the cinematography and effects are i mean you can see it in the trailer there's no doubting yeah. that at all like the effects are are so on there um, and I love the logo mix there. Like that's a, such a nice subtle nod of seeing them kind of evolve into the flash logo. Yeah. I can also understand. I know a lot of people were wondering why they didn't recast Ezra Miller when all of the stuff was going on with them. Um, seeing even just this trailer with multiple Ezra Millers, I can totally understand <laughs> Why they wouldn't have recast them, um, setting aside that they were probably very late in production anyway at that point, but that is to film not one, but two versions of a character like that, that is, we're talking about a, a tremendous amount of, like an exceptional amount of work if they were ever recast. So I I can understand that, but it'll be interesting to see if that hurts the movie at all. Yeah, I, it'll, I'm really curious to see. I, but from what I've gathered, I think the fan reception is very positive for this one. So I think I'm curious yeah. to see how big it ends up being. But I do think it's going to be one of the summer's bigger movies just because there's so much excitement. I think really it is the Agreed. cameos. 
that are going to be pulling people in. Like whether you like Ezra Miller's Flash or not, there's so many other aspects from Ben Affleck's Batman, Michael Keaton's Batman, the introduction of Supergirl, yeah. uh, the return of Zod, the potential for these other cameos. I think that's going to be enough to get the audiences in the theater just to be like, I want to see this character one last time, even if it is just a small cameo or just yeah. wanting to see the cameos before they're spoiled online. Yes. Which it's nice. It's nice to have a movie that has that potential, right? Where, you know, even in this age where everything is online, there's still a lot of potential to be surprised by different cameos in this. And I think we've seen that happen with, you know, varying levels of success with Marvel. I, the Spider-Man one obviously is probably the best. Um, Multiverse of Madness was up there too, though, as another instance where that worked really well. So yeah, I think the Flash has that going for it. Um, but uh, we should probably carry on to what we're watching. Uh, any last thoughts on the Flash, Cody? Um, just that I, I'm I'm excited. I am I'm really excited. I hope it is a big hit. I hope it's something DC fans can enjoy because we definitely deserve some wins right now yeah. as DC fans, and I think we'll get that with the Flash. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally agree. Give the DC fans a break. Um, the Flash and Blue Beetle both look awesome. So I'm I'm both very happy for the DC fans that you know, we're getting these things now. And also it just, it's a little bittersweet because of where the DCU is, but it's going to be a good year, I hope. Um, but yeah, so so let's carry on. And now we are going to head into the, the segment of the show where we talk about what we've been watching and we want to know what you've been watching. Uh, so Cody, have you been filling your days watching or reading anything good lately? Lots of watching, which is it's sometimes it's hard to keep. I'm like, hmm, what have I been watching? Because I watch a little bit too much. Um, I feel like keeping <laughs> in the DC, the DC vein, Titans, of course, came back and is in its final stretch here. Um, and the first three episodes nice. have been really, really solid so far. I'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to wrap, knowing we're building towards a series finale. But that's definitely been it's I. I feel like it's an underrated DC sleeper. Um, and I know it's had it's had struggles, ups and downs with some of the stories, but they did such perfect casting with those characters. Um, and as I've like started yeah. watching again, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to miss this show. Like these are such fun characters. Um, and it feels like this is a show that had the Warner Brothers DC stuff on all been going on, like could have gone way longer than four seasons. So definitely enjoying that. Um I've also I can't say the name of it because I'm still under embargo, but I really enjoyed a certain Ooh, uh, okay. period show that's coming to Netflix in the first week of May, which is a spinoff okay. of, a, of a show, a prequel, say you will. Um, really, really enjoyed that. We'll recommend fans checking out that nameless show, um, which oh, I enjoyed it more than I thought. OK, I'm so curious what show this is, um, <laughs> but I will not try to pry it out of you because embargoes are good. Okay, cool. So something new on Netflix. Any anything else? I see Nicole mentioned Ted Lasso, and I completely agree. I was late to the to the Ted Lasso game. Um, I literally binged all of, all the first two seasons and the current episodes that have been released of season three just this month. And now yeah. I'm in that boat with everybody else of having to wait to watch them weekly when they drop. That's literally how I ended my night last night was watching the. The latest episode of Ted Lasso oh, and nice. I'm disappointed in myself for waiting, but at the same time it worked because being able to binge the show, it just takes you, it's such a feel good show and really is one of those ones that has so much heart. Like 
Uh, it'll have you yeah, going from gut punch to just laughing. And it's rare for a show to be able to strike that balance the way Ted Lasso does. Yeah, totally. I, I haven't seen the third season. I was kind of late to Ted Lasso, too. I just saw the first two seasons probably last year, um, but really enjoyed them. So I, it's good to hear that it sounds like season three is being is pretty good. Um, I, I'm looking forward to watching that one. But so for me, speaking of binging and coming late to the game, Julie says uh, she's watching Succession and Perry Mason. I've been trying to get caught up on Succession. I'm almost to the end of season two because everyone has been just shouting about it from the rooftops. And I really want to see the current season because it sounds like it's amazing. Have you seen Succession at all, Cody? So I'm on the outside with that one looking in. I, I hear every time, though, I've not heard like a bad word about the show everything I keep yeah. seeing is like really positive reactions and like this season in particular, like the, the tweets that I've seen, I don't know the context to like the events maybe going yeah. down, but just like people's reactions to them. Um, it seems like it's just probably on its way for another very heavily favored Emmy, Emmy run with the award cycle when that reaches it, because it seems like they're yeah. just pulling out all the stops for the season. HBO is really swinging big for the for the Emmys right now. They're having a very good year so far between things like The Last of Us and Succession. And uh, Julie, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Perry Mason is HBO mm-hmm. too, right? So yeah, they, they've got a lot of big guns this year. And Succession, it's, it's just such a fun show. The people on it are so awful, but you can't help with sympathize, but sympathize with them at times. It sounds like season four is great. I'm really excited to get caught up. But beyond that, the other big thing I've been watching is The Walking Dead. I'm almost finally caught up with that one to the very end in time for spinoff season, uh, which there are a bunch of spinoffs coming this year. I gotta say, I'm really not enjoying the last season very much. It just feels very, very, very laughably low stakes compared to all the other threats these survivors have faced in the preceding 10 seasons. You know, they're they're complaining about the fairness of the society of the Commonwealth, but they have like cake shops and like cotton candy and stuff like that. And it's just like, compared to, you know, you think back to earlier seasons when they were like living in the woods and eating dog food. And I'm just (laughs) like, this is this is all right. Uh, I mean, it's still The Walking Dead, but it definitely is not ending on a very tense note for me. I still have maybe four episodes left to go in the series. Um, yeah. But yeah. Was that one that you fell behind on or that you would like start it and like have been binging late? So I started that one late. I had seen random episodes during its run. I had family members who were really into it and friends. So like I had seen episodes But then when the pandemic started, I decided uh, because I'm a giant nerd, I would watch a plague show to go along with the pandemic. When I found out I was going to be quarantined at home for months, I rented the first like four seasons of The Walking Dead and just went to town. So I have watched all of it in the past like three years, um, but I was never caught up enough to watch it live for season 11. Um, but, you know, once you're 10 seasons into a show, it's like you might as well watch the last season to see the end. There's no point quitting at that at that point. Um, so, yeah, that that's my deal with The Walking Dead. 
And Andrew, I have not heard of The Chosen. Have you, Cody? Yeah, I believe that one's, it's based on, um, it's kind of like the, was it History Channel had the Bible miniseries where it pulls from um, like the characters and, and figures from that. I've heard it's really good. I haven't checked it out. It's one people keep recommending. I don't know where it's streaming. That's always the, my first question for people is, where is it streaming? Because where is it? if I have to go buy a DVD or, or like hunt down collections, usually it's like, oh, I'll put it on the very bottom of my list. Um, yeah. I want to say maybe it's on Netflix. That's fair. Gotcha. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I'm a physical medium person, so I will gladly go and library things or Redbox them because it's a lot of streaming services to keep up with. Um, Nicole says she just watched Ant-Man. Uh, you said it was interesting, Nicole. Is that good, interesting, bad, interesting? <laughs> what did you think? Um, the only other thing I have been consuming a lot of in the past week is I've been reading this series called Night Angel by Brent Weeks, um, which is kind of like an assassin epic fantasy series. And the newest one, his first book in that series in like a decade and a half just came out on Tuesday, which is yesterday, apparently. Um, so I've been spending a lot of time in Night Angel and that has been a blast. But yeah, yeah I I love Okay, they're saying Chosen is on Netflix. Yeah, I I Oh, it's got its own app. I really respect on your end. Like I used to be such a good reader. <laughs> And I've fallen so far behind with like picking up the books. I have so many on like the back of the shelf behind me, um, but I'm so you do. To, I like, see them. Grab them now. It's like I love. A, I'm someone who does love reading during the summer, like on a nice summer day, like just going outside yeah. and like reading a book while it's nice. So summer is always my busiest month. But yeah, I, I feel like you're always catching up on books, and I'm like, I love that because I used to be that. I, I got something I need to fall back on. I watch so many TV shows now to just keep up with all of the TV as we cover things. And I, I need to get back yeah. to my reading roots because there's nothing like a good book. Agree. I'm here to peer pressure that. <laughs> and I should say um, a good like yes. physical book too. I'm not an e-reader. Like I like having that physical book. I, yeah, I'm the same. I, I, you know, after being online for work for eight hours, it's picking up an e-reader is usually not something I particularly want to do. <laughs> so yes, I'm right there with you. Um, Nicole says Ant-Man semi-good but mostly bad oof oof <laughs> fair enough I mean you're not alone in that opinion I liked Ant-Man um, but you're not the first person I've heard say that and we so we are running tight on time so Cody how do you feel about going into the the famous Wick news lightning round I I'm mildly anxious but i'm i'm ready to tackle it <laughs> <laughs> all right well we go over all the time so uh even if we hit the buzzer we will survive but yeah so if you are new if you haven't seen this before uh we're gonna go through eight of the bigger news stories of the past week against a 20 second buzzer and if we go too long, Richard, uh, producer Richard, will buzz us into shame. So, are you ready on the buzzer, Richard? All right, excellent. Okay, so Cody, this one is for you first. Uh, Disney Plus canceled its National Treasure series, National Treasure Edge of History, after only one season. Yeah, I can't say I'm necessarily surprised. It's disappointing news, I think, for the fans. I believe they did end with maybe like a cliffhanger. I think the biggest thing is 
there was a lot of hope that maybe season two could do a Nicolas Cage cameo. And I think that's the biggest negative of the cancellation. But I mean, it was an amazing show, but I don't think it really got the buzz. I can't say I'm too, too surprised that it it got canceled. Yeah, same. I I feel like it came and went so quickly that's just not really surprised that it that it got the axe. All right. What's what's next on the agenda? So let's see. For you, we've got the Wheel of the Time uh, has added a series of new cast members. Um, so we've got Bane, uh, Tiad, Jay Duffy, and Rima T. Watia. So what what do we what can yes. we expect from these? What's your reaction? Yeah. So uh, there are a bunch of new cast members. Um, they cast uh, the characters of Bane and Chiad, who are uh, Aiel Spear Maidens. Um, so a desert dwelling culture we'll get to know in season two. And then Jay Duffy will play Dane Bornhalt, uh, who is a member of the Children of the Light. Uh, he's going to be a recurring character. And then Rima Tewiata is going to play Sheriam, who is the mistress of novices for the sorceress Aes Sedai. So a lot of big castings for season two just announced. All right. Next up. So Boba Fett actor Tamora Morrison was apparently supposed to appear in season three of The Mandalorian. But he never got the call to come in and film. Uh, and he says it was due to cutbacks that Disney was making. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, I don't think they made like a bad decision here. It sounds harsh, but I I, <laughs> I, I mean, no offense to Boba, but the book of Boba Fett did not get good until The Mandalorian came into play. And I think the season was crowded enough. I think it just would have crowded that overcrowded narrative even more. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, Even though I love one, that actor, I agree with you. Yeah, I want to say it's not the actor, it's the character. I need to specify that. I have nothing against the actor, just the character in writing, yeah, it didn't do it for me. Uh, this next one made me yeah. laugh a little bit for you. Lord of the Rings fanfic writer has sued Amazon and the token estate for $250 million, saying they have fringed upon their materials. Yep, yep. So this uh, this writer, Demetrius Polychron, uh, wrote a a Lord of the Rings fan fiction sequel book tried to get people at the Tolkien estate to read it for years. They refused and basically is now saying his book had uh, Samwise Gamgee's daughter uh, who was named Eleanor and the new Lord of the Rings show has a hobbit named Eleanor. So clearly he's being ripped off. Um, Yeah, that's a fun one. Not expecting Amazon to lose any, any pocket change over it though. Yeah. Cause Eleanor is such a unique name, right? <laughs> It's true. There can be only one Hobbit <laughs> with that name at a given time. Okay, so Avengers Endgame director Joe Russo um, hyped up AI storytelling recently, saying he thinks we're less than two years off from seeing a fully AI movie. What do you? What are your thoughts? Um, it's ironic. Just have we seen Avengers: Age of Ultron? Um, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think AI has got a spot, but I don't know in creative aspects like a movie or even you know books and that. I don't know necessarily that I want to go and read AI novels or that's that's the platform where people to kind of share their voice. And I want to hear from like the the real writers behind those. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. All right, so we've got Gods of War and Horizon shows are in the uh, in the works. Will they take notes from The Last of Us? Yeah. So PlayStation Productions. Um, the the head of PlayStation Productions basically said that the Horizon Zero Dawn show at Netflix and the God of War show at Amazon are going to be trying to stay faithful 
in a similar way to The Last of Us, which is interesting because we thought Horizon was a prequel, but he didn't really make it sound like one. So we're definitely keeping an eye out for more on that. All right. And so in Indiana Jones news, Harrison Ford says that the Dial of Destiny is the last time he will play the character and he expects it to be the last time the character is on screen. I mean, this makes sense. He's going to be celebrating his 81st birthday this year. I think he's more deserving of like wrapping yeah. this character's arc. I think knowing that they, that seems to be the plan will make this movie stronger as we get that final send off. And you don't try to like just sneak in a cameo later just for the fact of, oh, here he is. Yeah. Nice. Beating the buzzer that time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can be a fast talker when, I, when I've got the pressure of a clock. I know how to, to use my words fast. <laughs> um, this last one actually just broke today, which is Black Mirror season six coming huh? in June. Yeah. So Black Mirror, the cautionary tale sci-fi anthology series on Netflix is fantastic, is terrifying, and will be back soon in June. Uh, the trailer is out now. You should go watch it so you can have nightmares too with along yeah. with me. Yeah, there's no. I love Black I Mirror. Mean, Very excited. I, I just realized we're getting Black Mirror and The Witcher in the same month, which is pretty exciting. And I didn't not something I would have expected. Yeah, June is going to be a big month for Netflix on the sci-fi fantasy front. Uh, um, they didn't say a day yet for black mirror so we're still waiting on that but sometime in june and that's our show cody thank you so much for coming on the pod to talk about this stuff yeah thank you so much for for inviting me it's been a blast and love catching up as always getting to talk about sci-fi fantasy and of course superheroes yes and yeah thank you all so much for tuning in uh this has been take the black live where we talk about dragons space lasers uh I want to say dinosaurs, but it's been a while since we've talked about dinosaurs. So all those sorts of fun fantasy and sci-fi things. And we record this podcast live um, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central and noon Pacific time. And you can also find us on uh, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasting. And take care, all. We'll be back next week. And I don't have a funny punchline to go out on. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. 